0: Welcome to your Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for subscribers, jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez.
1: I'm Brad Binkley.
0: Today's top story, a $2 trillion stimulus package coming out of bipartisanship from the Senate and the Congress. Thank goodness. And it's not a stimulus package, Mitch McConnell tells us it's a relief package, and that is a relief.
1: If I had $2,000 right now, I would be very relieved.
0: Is that really going to do it for you?
1: Absolutely. That would solve most of my problems, $2 trillion, wow. for really? just me. Oh,
0: I thought you said $2,000. No, no, $2, 000, 2
1: trillion.
0: Yes, $2 trillion would no, probably— No, 2000 is a Band-Aid. But that's what I was thinking is that it's a very it's it isn't actually going to help anybody individually, but in aggregate, it could definitely bail his cronies out. I mean, like food stamps are in the farm bill. Like when you think about it, like unrelated to this thing, but food stamps are not a welfare. They're a farm subsidy in this bill. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Like I'm just telling you how to think about it. Yeah. When they give you two thousand dollars, it's not because it's going to solve your problems. It's because you're going to spend it at Amazon.
1: Exactly. Two thousand dollars is. It it makes me feel a little bit better for a short period of time. I would say two thousand dollars does.
0: Well, there's a few things going on here. Um, I can just tell you what's in the what's in the highlights. It's a one-time check of $1,200 for Americans who make up to $75,000 a year, a $500 billion for a major corporate liquidity program through the Federal Reserve, $367 billion for a small business loan program, $100 billion for hospitals, and $150 billion for state and local governments. So, The, the, just ticking them off, not even all of them, but one at a time, the check for individuals, he says it's like for middle class and lower. And I just have to say, like, they act, I really, really bothers me when policymakers and the media and just regular rank and file voters and stuff think of the rich as the people who earn a high income. The upper middle class, because these are the, these are the, the highly educated working class. They're working, they're working for income and they're very productive and they are the engines of the economy. And they get, when income taxes go up, the reason Warren Buffett's like, I pay less taxes than my secretary is that he has an extremely well paid secretary and she has to pay income tax which can be 50%, he doesn't have to pay any of that because his income is like capital gains and stuff. He gets income off of investments, which has a lower rate. So income tax is always applying to people who are working. And this is taking that income tax and giving it to the less productive people, which is fine with me. I don't care. I mean, maybe they're just less paid. I don't know. It's fine. But the idea that it's being transferred from the rich to the poor It's really not. It's being transferred from the high wage earners to the lower wage earners. And those high wage earners get it kind of coming and going. And they are also the ones who are most devastated by this event. So they're the ones who are losing their businesses. They're the ones whose retirement savings, you know, these are like the the 50 somethings whose retirement savings just got cut by 30 or 40%. I mean, these are the people who are going to be jumping off roofs. These are the targets. And so I just, I really find that making it just sound like a welfare package is missing the point of how, how this damage is being felt. And then they're going to go and give some of this stuff is about subsidizing. They're going to subsidize main street for, their loans and they're going to, then you take, so mainstream businesses who then get like large amounts of debt. Like I fear a kind of Oklahoma dust bowl era. So in the depression era, when families lost their farms from, from, you know, in wide swaths of the U S it's cause they had been borrowing. And then they just, when they had a downtime, they couldn't pay the loans back. So to go into these small businesses and give them big debt. Okay. Okay. That, I think, is pretty risky for them, and then to go and give the corporations debt relief and much lower interest rates is also something that I think benefits them. I just read an article from December 2019 that said FedEx just lit the fuse on a $10 trillion corporate debt bomb, that their terrible earnings are an indication of a recession, a manufacturing problem that's in our future, and corporate corporations have been borrowing like mad in this low interest rate environment and it's going to come due in the next 5 to 6 years and if they have an earnings downturn they're going to all go bankrupt so they need to be able to keep borrowing at increasingly reduced interest rates and low that's exactly what we have and this may bail out a bunch of zombie corporations and stuff but i think ultimately mainstream will get shaken out just like home ownership this time around so this package i think isn't making the situation better. I just think it's keeping people from rioting, which is bad. We should riot. They're doing bad policy, and this is when we should be taking action. We shouldn't be sucking off future generations to make ourselves feel better and in and actually putting the yoke on us taking these policy changes in the future. You know what I mean? We're just kicking the can to the future yeah. so that we, if we felt the pain right now, that's why I like the balanced budget amendment. If you feel the pain you can go you will resist the spending but if you can kick the can on the pain you're, it's not worth making a stink over
1: pleasure pain principle
0: yeah it should definitely be connected that's why i want a zero exception balanced budget amendment but so, this is going to be devastating
1: yeah so it's a massive package That is designed to keep us domiciled, or will keep us domiciled. I think so. Yes, I do. Yes, and it's twelve hundred. You said not two thousand. It's
0: well. This says this. This is today's the hill. Midday report. Yeah, So I'm just getting a summary from another news source rather than reading the fucking thing myself at this point. What's This is a, a one time check of twelve hundred dollars for Americans who make up to seventy five thousand dollars. But I'm sure there are nuances to that, like married couples and kids and all that. Yeah, because I think that's like half the money or more.
1: Yeah, there's also a provision in there and I don't have the exact words of it, but it prevents Trump from. Getting any of this money from any of any of his businesses? Getting this money? I wonder if it specifically says him, or if it just has a wealth bracket. I'd be interested to well, see. Well, what that are his
0: businesses? Isn't he technically not directly? Involved I guess his, in his sons business? now. Plus, maybe. he's just a a branding agent. Like the one thing he has is that DC post office, and he was putting it on the market for a five hundred million dollar profit. Before this all happened. So, I mean, I don't know how much real business that guy has.
1: I guess the Trump properties is what they're talking about. Whoever officially whose name that they're in. Yeah.
0: I mean, my guess is that's just for them to be able to talk about because. Absolutely. You know, what's the what's the major impact? Yeah. But his popularity is peaking. Did you notice that? Trump's is he's as popular as ever, and and like sixty percent of the people are in favor of his policies, and forty nine percent of the people give him an approval rating. So this is shaking out as being a wartime type president, not a recession type president. Yeah, and he also Fox News had a headline yesterday that said. Trump announces a $6 trillion stimulus package, which is somewhat misleading. They're saying it's $2 trillion in fiscal and $4 trillion in monetary. The monetary thing is basically unlimited, which could be hyperinflationary. I mean, $4 trillion injected directly into the money supply with no fractional reserve requirement. It's just an unlimited amount of money. You cannot know how that's going to translate into... Like, and here's the problem is that Keynes, Keynes is, Keynesian economics is what we've got. Keynes said, we need to increase the money supply because wages are sticky. Have you ever heard that?
1: Yes, I've heard that.
0: Do you know what it means? No. No one does. And when you tell these fart sniffing assholes at the top who act like they're doing you a favor by printing money, sorry, they have to like kind of pause when you point out. That what sticky wages means is when you're paying people and you want to lower their wages, they get mad. So what you do is you inflate the money supply. So you're a guy who owns oil wells, okay? You have $100 million worth of oil and you pay your guys $100 a day to help you pump it out. The money supply doubles. Now you have $200 million worth of oil. And that guy's still making $100 a day to help you pump it out. Yeah. So he doesn't really know unless he's paying attention.
1: Yeah, it's a psychological aspect, doesn't alert him to right. it, and it it's a, well, it's a lie. It's not just
0: Yeah, it's not just psychological, it's deception. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, they're saying it's psychological, that there's a real reason to lower it. It's complete deception. And that's why inflation, mon- modern monetary theory that AOC wants to put out there, is highly regressive. It goes to people – first, it goes to government-connected, like banks and stuff. It goes to asset – inflates asset values, and it absolutely deflates wages and the value of any kind of like cash savings. So you have to put it at risk, for example. So all this stuff is just criminally regressive, in my opinion.
1: It sounds like it. I would like to see that conversation where someone's going – $4 Four trillion, is that really enough? How about six trillion?
0: Oh, they say stuff like that. They, ben Bernanke said we should get in helicopters and just throw cash out the window, which of course is what they should do with it. If they're going to do it, they should. Instead, they give it to banks.
1: So, I would like to I see mean, that. Talk yeah, about it's called chaos. helicopter
0: money. It's called helicopter money. Well
1: you're not allowed to touch it anymore because it's got coronavirus on it.
0: Yes, that's right. It doesn't work when you've got when it's
1: cash. I have an interesting fact to tell you about from the Spanish flu. The 1918-1919 pandemic, which the World Economic Forum is no longer calling the Spanish flu, they're now calling calling it the Great Influenza Pandemic, because Trump's been calling this one the Chinese flu, so they are going back in time and rewriting history, and they are no longer referring to it as the Spanish flu. That way they can say Trump is racist without they themselves being racist or being able to be called racist. Interesting fact, and this is from the World Economic Forum. What are they calling it? the great influenza pandemic which is a lot harder to say than the spanish flu some famous people were killed during that pandemic max weber the economic the economist oh, mm-hmm. and this person wasn't actually famous at, famous at the time but you'll recognize his name frederick trump the grandfather of president donald trump died in the 1918 1919 <sighs> of spanish the flu? flu yeah interesting Also, President Woodrow Wilson got it, and Walt Disney got it. They overcame it. And this is a little footnote that the World Economic Forum has on this article, which is really interesting logic. It says, President Wilson's impairment likely had a negative impact on the negotiations of the Versailles Treaty in 1919. He was sick during the negotiations. He
0: didn't go. He sent Colonel House, the CFR guy.
1: And it says... Thus, if harsh terms imposed on Germany by this treaty led eventually to World War II, then the Great Influenza pandemic may have indirectly caused World War II. <laughs> the Spanish flu caused World War II. Will will this one? Will the Wuhan flu these cause World War Three?
0: These crazy coincidences. I think that's
1: the parallel. Is this one going to cause World War Three? Is this going to lead into
0: how? It? How would it? we? Don't I'm know not yet. sure,
1: but this is becoming more and more. A United States versus China, the way that they're talking about it and what they're training the public to do. If you think about it, they keep saying, this is war. We're at war right now. Everyone on both sides continues to say we are at war. The psychological impact of that is that it conditions the public to know what to do. The next time they hear them say we're at war, everybody knows what to do. Shelter in place. We've done this before. We are being trained to know how to react when we're told we are at war regardless of whether this is another pandemic coming down the line or if this is an actual invisible digital-type war that we've never experienced before.
0: Yes, absolutely. I agree. We're being trained. Should I, uh, after a quick break, should I respond to the email about what libertarians, what, what would be the libertarian position on how a government should handle an actual pandemic?
1: Absolutely, and I look forward to hearing that right after this short break. Anyone who listens to the show knows that I have an addiction to sports, but with no sports on right now and no games to bet on, I have to get my fix elsewhere, which is why I like to head over to MyBookie.com and check out what kind of other action they're offering. And there is one competition still running, and at MyBookie, you can bet on it. And that's the presidential election, which is something that I love monitoring. How the political betting market is affected by the news, and you can see that effect in action over at my bookie. As President Trump has seen his odds at being reelected fall from seventy percent to fifty-five percent over his handling of the coronavirus. And with my bookie, for every one hundred and forty dollars you bet, you get back two hundred and forty when Trump wins a second term. Who says no to that? You can even bet on the next terrorist captured in the MyBookie Donald Trump specials. There are a lot of fun and interesting bets on MyBookie. You can bet on whether or not you think Trump's going to get kicked off Twitter, who the first organization to send someone to Mars will be, and even which movie studio will be the first to produce a coronavirus movie. It's definitely worth checking out. So join now and start winning today visit mybookie.ag that's mybookie.ag and use the promo code BINKLY, binkley B I N K L E Y all caps for a 50% deposit bonus at mybookie you can bet on anything
0: so here we have an email from a listener and a subscriber rb He says, I am a believer that this is an overblown one world power grab, and I'm so sad and mad at the loss of rights. We're with you, (laughs) R.B. Or maybe I should say giveaway, since that's what us sheeple are doing. And I will say, R.B., we are absolutely, definitely doing that when the masses are being placated with a bone in the form of today's $2 trillion stimulus package. But I also have no doubt a bug, chemical, mass killing something could be unleashed one day. If that's truly the case, how should the government respond, if at all? Okay. So he also says we might need to change the name of the drive time news blast since there's no more drive time. We'll have to think about that. It might impair podcasts podcasting to not drive anymore. Yeah.
1: What's the the virtual equivalent of that? There is none.
0: Walk the dog. The walk the dog news blast.
1: That's when I listen.
0: (laughs) Me too. Okay. So, but he says, here's actually, there's like the answer I think is in his question. He said he has no doubt that a bug, a chemical or mass killing could be unleashed one day. Could be unleashed. So here are my, here's my answer. First of all, I... It is a moral hazard, a moral hazard, which means you're giving an incentive for some, someone to do something bad if you give the government more power in a crisis. Now, obviously, that's what government kind of is for in a way. Like people think that it's a safety net or security net, physical or fiscal, and they can augment our ability to defend ourselves. And that's why I'm an anarcho-capitalist, because I don't think it ever works that way. You establish a government to help you deal with danger that makes the government's incentive that we are always in danger. And that is why our society, although it, tech, it progresses technologically, it regresses liberty wise, fear wise, psychologically health wise, because we have empowered and given monopoly and total power to something that benefits from our fear and danger. So it's a moral hazard to look to the government during these things because they will either exploit such a crisis, prolong it, create a crisis. We have a pathocracy, and I would argue most, if not all, modern governments are pathocracies. That's number one. Number two is that it is the governments themselves that are – so when you say unleash – it's really the, the power of government makes these dangers much, much greater because they are the ones who, for example, in this event 201, how to deal with a pandemic, they say they want a way to fast track experimental vaccines at population levels, supply, population level supplies. I mean, these are words that are directly pulled from that and bypass or at least, quote, deal with liability issues and regulatory issues. So only a coercive monopoly government with total power in the case of a pandemic would be able to mass produce 7 billion experimental vaccines and force everyone to get them. The risk of that is much greater than dealing with a natural pandemic.
1: I will say that a couple of weeks ago, I pointed out that Trump had passed that right to try law about 18 months ago, and he's been talking about that lately in relation to what- you're talking about right now.
0: Yeah, so they set you up also. Like, that's a, probably a setup. And that's why as a libertarian, I, I tell people, like, you really should pay attention to the rights that and protections that you have from this government that you did not consent to. There's no reason you should give up those rights. Just pay attention. And yes, you can have a right to try and that's fine, but beware. Beware. So the the third thing is, I would say, that that here's the thing. What actually happens? It's praxeology is at the heart of Mises' theory. We've talked about it before. Praxeology is the study of what actually happens. It's not a moral judgment. It's what actually happens. Does this actually happen? Do you need a black swan event? Do you need to gin up a mass shooting to like get the policy you want? What actually happens? And I always go to this. With all the laws, they talk about terrorism. We're not prepared for this. The Constitution... Writers didn't think about this. They did. They have stuff about piracy in the Constitution. So that's what a pirate is. It's a criminal without a state. That's what they're saying terrorists are. So it's in there. We have emerged 10,000 years of civilization, for better or worse, as biological organisms with a certain physical, physiological, mental, moral profile. Yes, these things do evolve over time as technology advances, like slavery was considered, was the norm for most of our history, and now it's abhorrent to us, but that's a function of technology. So the system requires what it requires of your liberty, and it takes it. So there are changes because of that, but we are biological organisms. So when the Spanish flu came along, what was that? Oh, Am I gonna get taken off the air? Because I said Spanish when the great pandemic of 1918 came along. So what so what happened since then? Why do I not think that's gonna happen again? Because there's we made sanitation changes, we made nutrition changes, and we developed medicines that that apply to stuff that has actually happened to us. We learn our lessons and the more we accept or feel the consequences of things that are actually happening, the more it's like the libertarian pricing mechanism, Hayek's theory of pricing. The information is in the supply and demand relationship. So when people are freaking out about this stuff, all the resources go to address it. And it's, and when things emerge organically, resources get reallocated like that. When you have government having massive power, They can make mistakes for their own reasons or they're not mistakes. They're just their incentives are not aligned with yours and they can do things systematically from the top in a decent, in a centralized way that does not reflect the information that's in the pricing mechanism. So I would say your number one defense is to restore the 10th amendment. And then at least you have, uh, you can have, uh, competing responses, best practices but what's, But I would under no circumstances give the government a monopoly course of power to address a crisis because they will use it against us if, I mean, that's just what they do. There you go. So if you want the libertarian moments, you got them, but they get a little deep. They get a little thick.
1: <laughs> lighten, lighten us up there, Binkley. Well, I'm trying to remember what exactly the 10th Amendment is. The 10th
0: Amendment. Come on. It's my favorite amendment. I know it's your favorite,
1: but it slipped it's the, my mind. That it's
0: that the states have everything that's not all the rights that's that are right. not yeah. in the Constitution. Yeah. And the Constitution, okay. but it's good. Even if you did remember it, you should tell me because not every single person to yeah. remember. There's 18 enumerated powers in the Constitution. And, I, and this is how I figured out the Constitution. I went to law school. Like, I should have learned about it in law school. But I didn't. I just read it. And I could see. I mean, I really read it. I just sat there once, like, before a show. And I was like... I, what what does the Constitution really say? It is crystal clear what it says. There's like 18 things. And then that's when I realized that the Bill of Rights is not really a Bill of Rights. It's because you can't list rights. Rights are limitless until they head up against somebody else's rights and then occasionally you have competing rights. But it's a list. It's a Bill of protections, of defenses against the government that you just empowered. That's what it is, and yeah. that's why it's all about the Bill of Rights is all about how you are protected from the government. That's what it is, and I just noticed that by reading it, so I highly recommend just read it, but the 10th good minute, read yeah, I mean, and the liberals should love it right now because Trump's the damn president. they hate him,
1: yeah, speaking of liberals, my friend called me the other day or last night actually, and was telling me about all these posts on social media. I haven't been getting on Facebook because it's just too stressful, but a lot of people that we know are. In the artistic community, and many of them are repeating the same things that you're hearing from the CDC, the same things you're hearing from these celebrities. You need to shelter in place. You need to do this now. I mean, these talking points are being ingrained into people's psychology to where they're repeating them just unconsciously, and they're shaming people who even ask questions about it. And they're on social media begging for fascism. They're begging for Trump to put that— defense demand. Yeah, to put that order in because Cuomo says it. So the very people who spent the past 4 years calling Trump a fascist are on social media saying Trump is terrible because he's not being a fascist. Be a fascist, they're begging for it.
0: It's driving me absolutely fucking crazy. Sorry, I've been cursing so much lately. This is really getting to me. Like you don't understand what it's like to be pens up in my house with these kids and la I just can't deal with it there's just so much extra cleaning and You probably just connected
1: whatever. to everyone in the audience listening with kids right now sorry
0: oh my gosh I can't stand it and I'm getting a lot of emails I love emails thank you thank you but I'm getting a lot of missives like oh I'm sure you have lots of extra time now like read this I'm like you don't (laughs) understand I have no time I really can't even oh my gosh I can't even take care of myself so um but it's making me absolutely crazy that the two sides that are arguing right now is that Trump with $6 trillion worth of stimulus and, and uh, 350 million people in house arrest just isn't strong, isn't being firm enough using the power of big government. We need someone like Cuomo who will kill you to save a life. It's like, what are you talking about? They want more
1: people on the streets. They and, want door to door.
0: Is, please, if people still think if you're still fired up for your opportunity to vote, I mean, look around from party to party at the local level, all the way up to the, the federal level, from from the judiciary to legislative to the executive branch. These people are all in lockstep. Not one person is brooking a a questioning The assumptions, and I'm getting all this stuff like these are facts. I'm like, they're not facts. They're not at all. They're not facts. Look at Iceland. Iceland's got some facts, and they absolutely fly right in the face of of what we're being told about how infectious this is and how fatal it is. And I've got a, a little code cracking about Italy that I'll tell you about a little bit later, maybe in the Patreon 15.
1: Yesterday I read on the Patreon 15 what's on the CDC's website about guidance to and not, which is what about how they count and how somebody is determined to be positive. And it says that basically it says that even if someone is, has a positive test, that does not necessarily mean that it's the coronavirus that caused that positive test because any number of other potential ailments could have caused that positive test. However,
0: Oh, false positives.
1: Yeah. But they say, So it could be another something else that caused it. However, everybody that's giving them an out. They're all required to report a positive test to the CDC. So regardless of whether without confirming that it was actually 100 percent coronavirus, they're still confirming it as coronavirus to the CDC, who is then saying this may not actually be coronavirus. Well, this is what they're going to
0: do with that. They're going to say. You still have to get your vaccines. We got foreshadowing from James Corbett. And his t- when he was talking about Cheryl Atkinson's FOIA request about the virus, uh, about the flu test being inaccurate, and then when she finally outed them for grossly inaccurate numbers, they made lemonade out of it and said, oh... Well then all you people who think you had the flu need to go get a flu vaccine and we need a double dip of fear or people start shaking hands again and you are absolutely right they need this to be permanent and they and they're if this thing gets back to normal in a few weeks they're estimating the peak death in 21 days which will con- coincide pretty well with the event one thing I think and I'll go down to Brazil but I'm just saying they are going to have to come out and say that that stuff was negative, was faulty, and you shouldn't take a positive as being a reason that you don't have to get the vaccine,
1: I and, think. Yeah. Nobody's touching their face in the future, or they're getting shot, I think is where this going.
0: It's the handshaking. I want to shake hands. I want to – better not shake hands. I want hands. My, not in this. my tradition no, –
1: it's over. It's over. I Shaking hands is warmth. done. I want warmth. Yeah, they're, they're making it a taboo behavior. One more quick thing before we head out to the Patreon 15. In California right now, there's an order that was issued to, or they created, excuse me, they created what is called an ambassador team, an ambassador team of volunteers and of attorneys to go to businesses that are not compliant with the shutdown order to try and get them to voluntarily comply. So they're sending... A handful of people who've basically been deputized intimidation squads. yeah intimidation squads to get them to comply and if they do not comply then they will shut off their lights they will shut off their power and on the same day that this article came out where they were announcing this there was another article that in los angeles the sheriff has announced that gun shops are not essential businesses and they will be shut down so those two factors coming into collision with each other is a recipe for disaster
0: Well, that parallels the talk about the Defense Production Act where Trump got up and said, ends up we don't have to use it because everyone is complying. And he he didn't actually use these words, but very close to these words, ends up threat of force is a powerful incentive to cooperate.
1: Yes, it is, and I, and, think- I know.
0: and he said that, and I was just and he was all proud of himself, and I'm sure all the MAGA hats are being thrown in the air like that's our guy. Yeah. It's like wake up, like being an a hole is you know not in and of itself a valuable thing. It's a character trait, yeah. You know, I mean, it doesn't – you have to think about what you wanted from this guy, why you were happy. And I'll tell you, people are absolutely still diehard Trump supporters, and they are saying he. – they're making excuses like he has no choice because it'll just – they will just make worse or blah, blah, blah. He has no choice, which is bull. That's a guy who talks tough. You want him to make tough choices. That's why it matters that he talks tough. But it ends up – you were right from the very beginning – That what they like about him is simply that he talks tough.
1: They love that about him. And in the Patreon 15, I'm going to tell you a little bit about some interesting deepfake technology detection coming out, as well as a follow-up to the Rand Paul story, which I find interesting. And you guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or on your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. And if you want more DriveTime News Blast, make sure and become a Propaganda Report Patreon, where for $5 a month, you can get an extra 15 minutes of the Drive Time News Blast a day, commercial-free, and other offers that we will be putting up soon. To become a member, go to patreon.com backslash report, or click on the Patreon button in the show notes. If you're already a Patreon, stay tuned for more DriveTime News Blast. We will talk to you all tomorrow.